In the age of ancients, the world was unformed, shrouded by fog, a land of gray crags, arc trees, and everlasting dragons. But then there was fire, and with fire came disparity, heat and cold, life and death, and of course, light and dark. Then, from the dark they came, and found the souls of lords within the flame. Nido, the first of the dead, the witch of Isolith and her daughters of chaos, Gwyn, the lord of sunlight and his faithful knights, and the furtive pygmy, so easily forgotten. With the strength of lords, they challenged the dragons. Gwyn's mighty bolts peeled apart their stone scales. The witches weaved great firestorms. Nido unleashed a miasma of death and disease. And Seath the scaleless betrayed his own, and the dragons were no more. Thus began the age of fire, but soon the flames will fade, and only dark will remain. Even now there are only embers, and man sees not light, but only endless nights. And amongst the living are seen carriers of the accursed dark sign. Yes, indeed, the dark sign brands the undead, and in this land the undead are corralled and led to the north, where they are locked away to await the end of the world. This is your fate. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh. I am Nick. And if you can't tell by now today, we are doing Dark Souls fucking finally. Yeah, it's I'm about damn time. I'm so happy, dude. Like, oh, also, we're Navi Tales. Oh, yeah, we're Navi Tales. We decided to, to, to do the cinematic opening as our opening because I think it'd just be, would have just been dope. But yes, I fucking love this franchise. I, I, I mean, it's like second only to The Witcher in my heart. I really do think Dark Souls is fucking incredible. And I've been sitting on Dark Souls for a while. I didn't want to do it like real soon. Not, when we started, because we were still trying to trying to get our stride. We're still trying to get our stride, but we felt that it was most appropriate today, uh, or at least this week, because this is the week that Dark Souls Remastered comes out. Yep. So we for are... everything but the goddamn Switch. For everything but the fucking Switch. So uh, we found it most appropriate to tackle Dark Souls. Uh, this one might be a little long. Uh, Dark Souls is weird. Uh, if I have spent... Probably days of my life diving into the lore for Dark Souls overall. Uh, there's a couple things you need to realize first. Uh, first, Dark Souls gives us about 80% of us or 90% of a story. You can feel satisfied with most of it, but there's still questions. Uh, we, not everything's going to be answered. Uh, and anything else that needs to be explained, I'll explain as we go. But, uh... Why don't you uh, start a off? Because I read the fucking cool part. The world of Dark Souls is a world of cycles. Kingdoms rise and fall. Ages come and go. And even time can end and restart as the flame fades and is renewed. The cycles are linked to the first flame, a mysterious manifestation of life that divides and defines separate uh, states such as heat and cold or life and death. As the first flame fades, these differences also begin to fade, such as life and death having little distinction and humans becoming undead. The onset of uh, an age of dark, the time when the first flame had fully died, is marked by endless nights, rampant undeath, uh, und yeah, undeath, 
time and space, and reality breaking down. Uh, lands collapsing and converging on one another, people mutating into monsters, darkness covering the world, and the gods losing their power. To avoid this and prolong the Age of Fire, the bearer of the powerful soul must link themselves to the first flame, becoming the fuel for another age. If this is not done, the first flame will eventually die, and, the, and an Age of Dark will begin. Right. So that's an important, I guess, distinction between... That's a good summary of how fire works in this, and the importance of souls and dark souls. It's, uh, it's weird. Fire, it, before fire, there was no, there was gray. There was the mist, the arch trees, and the dragons. So before that, there was just eternal life, there was all this, but there was no life and death. Like when, when the fire was created, that's when Gravelord Nito was created. We'll get into Nito. But like it's it just like it created that. I think that this was a really good summary of that. The powerful Lord Souls were taken from the first flame, used to defeat the dragons, and then to establish kingdoms. Souls are inextricably and inexplicably linked to the fire. Souls are life, and life is fire. It stands to reason that souls are fire as well. Without the first flame and without souls, there is no life. The bearer of a strong soul, called a lord, who links themselves to the first flame, is thus rekindling the flames with their own soul, returning life to it. In the end, one could expect that all souls will have been returned to the first flame, and the Age of Fire will have effectively ended anyway. Hmm. So. That's cycle shit. All of Dark Souls is based on cycles to, like, a disturbing level. It's like a circle. Right, which is why, like, uh, we're only tackling Dark Souls 1 today. We'll tackle 2 and 3 eventually. But it's why there's so many theories as to why 2 is so different from 1 and 3, and 1 and 3 are so similar in themes and stuff. Uh, and even plot, like, a lot of characters show up. Like, other than my theory, which is they just really were doing a lot of fucking uh, fan-pleasing. Because two got a lot of backlash because it was so different from one. Mm -hmm. But like the the reason is because it cycles back onto itself. And the time's also all fucked up in Dark Souls. Right. Like to a disturbing level. We'll get to it. Um But yeah, the it's all cycles. Which is why uh even the painting, the painted world, which I don't even know if I tackle the painted world, but the painted world is like a miniature version of the cycles. Which is why the painted world is so interesting to me in Dark Souls 1 and 3. So. It is inevitable that people will try to find a way around this, another way to continue the Age of Fire without making sacrifices, but in every case they fail. In the first Age of Fire, the Witch of Izalith attempted to create a duplicate of the first flame using her witchcraft and a special soul, but failed uh, catastrophically. Instead of making another flame, she created a twisted flame of chaos that produced distortions of life, turning herself and all her daughters into demons. These demons were malevolent and wandered the land. Gwen gathered up his enemies and fought the demons of chaos, eventually driving them back and shackling the bed of chaos to bind them. Knowing that the Age of Fire was nearing its end, under the guidance of the primordial serpent uh, Kingseeker, Framped, Gwen offered himself to the first, fr uh, first flame to, stay, to stave off the dark. As flames surged with new life, the knights who followed him 
were burnt by the flames and now wander the world as black knights, uh, ho- which are hollow shells of armor who attack indiscriminately. Yeah. Um, before he left to link the first flame, Gwyn gave fragments of his soul to his followers and allies. Ornstein, uh, Golf, Chiran, and Artorius, his four strongest knights who fought against the dragons. Seath, who betrayed the dragons and played a crucial role in the war, was also granted the title of Duke and Archives to conduct his research. And uh, souls were given to the four kings of New Londo, who ruled the city of undead. In time, another primordial serpent convinced the people of the human kingdom of Ulisal to unearth the grave of a primeval human. Whether through their actions or some other means, the primeval human, Manus, was resurrected and driven to madness, and his wild humanity with a capital H caused the people of Ulisal to mutate into bloat-headed abominations. Manus, father of the Abyss, began to rapidly spread dark and accelerate the growth of the Abyss, and would have started an early age of dark had he not been defeated. Even so, the kingdom of Ulisal was lost to the Abyss and eventually forgotten in the modern day. Gwyn's youngest son, Gwendolyn, um, together w- with King Seeker Frampt, uh, shepherds the humans by uh, Gwyn's command. What this means is not fully explained, but seems to involve sending any undead to Lord, Lord Dran and asking them to inherit the title of Lord by linking the first flame. The undead are sent on a quest to ring the Bells of Awakening, collect the Lord Vessel, slay the other bearers of the Lord Souls, and gather their souls. Uh, they have not. They have either become corrupt or simply no longer useful. Then offer those souls to the Lord Vessel to open the path um, to the kiln uh, of the first flame. In doing so, the unnatural undead are given true death, and living can, and the living can enjoy a renewed world through the undead linked to the first flame. Will continue to burn and alive, alive and aware until someone else comes to take their place, and thus the cycle continues. Okay, so that's kind of a summation of the basic plot of what happened in Dark Souls, and kind of where you pick up. You're going to be one of those undead. Um, but now we're going to tackle some major locations before we tackle people. So we have Lordran, uh, known as the Land of the Ancient Lords, where the kingdoms converge. This is where the game takes place, and it is a dangerous area indeed containing a great variety of environments and filled with many dangerous creatures, any undead's resolve will be tested to the fullest here. The undead travel great distances to reach this land where the first flame waits to be linked. Uh, I don't know if it was expressed enough in the, last, in the first part, but uh, the uh, linking the flame is an honor. Even though like you burn until someone else links it, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important to realize that undeads who link the first flame are lords of the flame. Or uh, whatever you want to call them, but it's an honor to link the flame. Yeah, so it's an honor to be chosen to, to yeah, take even, on that task. Right, because you are taking on this task, you are picking up this burden so that the rest of the world can continue to exist yeah, in right. the way that it currently exists. Right. <clears throat> Without going into the age of dark. Right. There's a theories that uh, between 1, 2, and 3, e- there was an age of dark between 1 and 2, and an age of dark between 2 and 3. Hmm. And, like, we pick up in both 1, 2, and 3 right before that age of dark that comes. Gotcha, gotcha. Basically, it makes everything you do in the game is pointless. Because an age of dark is coming no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, it, except in 3, because I think the true ending for 3 
is the one where you get to the kiln and then don't link it. Because it's an option in all of them. Mm. You don't have to, in two, it's not linking the flame. It's uh, sitting on the throne of want, which for all intents and purposes is the same thing. Um, but uh, because it's in the kiln, so uh, you sit on the throne of want. But um, yeah, the I think that uh, one, you, the true ending of one, you link the flame. The true ending of two, you sit on the throne. The true ending of three, you don't link the flame. You just watch as the world turns to darkness. Yes. That's how I've always viewed it, because there's three endings. Yeah. You can either, of three, spoilers, three <laughs> endings of three, link the flame, don't link the flame, capture the fire. Which, like, I've never considered capture the fire as a true ending. I just thought it was more this is kinda cool. edgy. Yeah. And then one, like, linking the flame is just that one. I've always viewed it as, it's the last one in the series, it's where you don't link the flame. Yeah. Makes sense. When you stop this shit. So uh, let's go back to places, though. Next, we have An Orlando, uh, known as the City of the Gods and founded by Lord Gwyn. It sits on top of a mountain, and both the cliff face and its own walls separate it from the outside world. Long ago, invitations were given to great champions among humans and decided through victories in an arena, but this practice has not been kept up for some time. Sen's fortress sits below it, and an enormous death trap serving as both gateway and obstacle to An Orlando. And those who would co- who could overcome it were permitted access, but the path the pathway at the end of at the end has since been sealed. Now any undead seeking uh, to enter the city are carried in by bat winged demons if they can overcome the fortress. Which sounds fucking dumb. Dude, they, like, are surprising as fuck the first time you meet them. Yeah, some fucking... Like, you're just kind of, like, going along, and you're like, oh, here's the thing. And then, like, a bunch of Batwing demons come. I was just like, holy shit! And then in Dark Souls 3, they come, like, at a point where I didn't expect it and carry you somewhere, and I'm like, what are you guys doing back? You just hear Avenged Sevenfold playing. <laughs> Can't you they carry help it? me as I'm starting to burn all along? They're just carrying you. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck. The the truth of An Orlando is hidden behind an intricate illusion. When the first flame began to fade, all the gods abandoned An Orlando, save for Gwendolyn, uh, Gwen's last son. He now uses his magic to make it look like the city still stands strong, but in reality, only he and his knights remain, and he is the only true authority left. Yeah. So now we have Lost Isolith, legendary city of the Witch of Isolith, one of the four original lords. She and her daughters founded this city deep underground. The witch and her daughters were originally practitioners of a form of fire sorcery, but this art was lost when the flame of chaos destroyed the city. When the first flame began to fade, the witch of Isolith tried to reproduce it using her magic and a special soul. However, she failed, and the result was the flame of chaos, a twisted flame that produced distorted life instead, known as demons. Gwyn and his knights waged a war against these demons and eventually defeated them, sealing the bed of chaos, their source of life, with magic. Some demons now appear in roles that suggest they may work for the gods, either willingly or as captured servants. The creation of the Flame of Chaos also created pyromancy as a byproduct, and Quilana, the only daughter of Isolith to escape the destruction, was able to develop an entire system of magic to imitate the ancient fire spells. She took only one student, Salaman, from the Great Swamp. In teaching Salaman, 
She hoped that mankind could learn to harness and control the flames to prevent the same catastrophe that destroyed her own home. Salaman then returned to the Great Swamp to spread the art of pyromancy. And the game, pyromancy, exclusively comes from the Great Swamp. Oh, because of Salaman. So if you're a pyromancer, like, your background is you come from the Great Swamp. So next we have the Catacombs, <clears throat> an extensive network of tombs and crypts overseen by Gravelord Nido. All, these, all things that die are laid to rest here, and Nido's power over necromancy ensures that they are not disturbed. The area is not completely peaceful, however, and at one point a group of occultists attempted to steal Nido's power and use it to kill the gods. They presumably failed, but weapons and artifacts of their perverse rituals can still be found. Now the necromancer Pinwheel resides in the catacombs, where he slowly siphons away Nito's power for his own ends. Pin Pinwheel's fucking weird. That's a name. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> Pinwheel is fucking weird looking. Like, hold up. Let me let me grab a picture real quick. You know, I typed in pinwheel and I got a pinwheel. I don't know what I expected. Yeah, I had to type in pinwheel back to Yeah, that's a that's a good picture of pinwheel. Do you see why he's called that? Yeah, that's fucking dope. He's got like three masks. He's like they believe that either there's nothing under there or the main body is the father. Well, we'll get the pinwheel. Mm. We'll get the pinwheel. All right. I I didn't ignore him. Um because he's so weird. Uh, he's also a boss. That's dope. I would uh, hope so, with, with something looking like that. that dude, some of the it. bosses in this game are fucking cool looking. Like, the gaping dragon is really fucking cool. Anyway. You'll see. Uh, New Londo, a large city of undead. This place was once prosperous and known for the foresight of its leaders. Recognizing this, Lord Gwyn bestowed on them a fragment of his soul in the rank of king before he left to link the first flame. Later, the four kings encountered Darkstalker Kath in the Abyss, who offered to teach them the art of life drain. In doing so, the four kings and their order of knights were corrupted by the dark, becoming the Dark Wraiths of Kath. The threat they posed to the outside world was so great that the whole city was flooded to contain them, killing everyone inside. The dead still wander as ghosts through the ruins, and the Dark Wraiths themselves survived the flooding, even though they are still trapped. So next we have Ulisile, an ancient and long-forgotten human kingdom that was once uh, in Lord Lordran. Um, it was a peaceful land of scholars who practiced a now-lost form of light-based sorcery. Before its fall, a path to the abyss was unearthed, and they encountered a primordial serpent who convinced them to unearth the grave of a primeval, uh, primeval human. When revived, this human named Manus went mad, and his humanity went wild. This caused him to mutate into a huge abomination, and contact with his humanity caused the people of Ulisile to also mutate into abominations. Real quick, humanity is a tangible substance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I gathered that from the capital. Yeah, so, so humanity isn't like you and me being a part of humanity. Humanity is a tangible substance. Humanity is like fear, something to Fear, uh, humanity links you to the abyss. Got you. Uh, it's weird describing all that, but yeah, just it's it's a thing, not just like a broad term. It's like a physical thing. You whatever. could pick up humanity. <laughs> I could pick this up. Uh, Manus was a powerful sorcerer and master of the dark, and with his magic, he guided the abyss to grow, swiftly overtaking the kingdom of Ulisile. 
King Artorius was sent in. Knight. No. That's important distinction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Knight Artorius was sent in to defeat Manus and halt the abyss, but he failed and was corrupted by the dark instead. The, p- the player travels back in time to lay Artorius to rest and defeat Manus in his stead. Um, also, the player is not naturally from that time. Their actions are instead attributed to Artorius's um, to be known as the Abyss Walker, a legendary knight who traversed the abyss to defeat the Dark Wraiths. Yeah, you basically, everything you do, no one knows you did, and they just assume Artorius did it and died in the process. But like the first boss, because this is from the first DLC. Yeah. The first, or the only DLC, because there was only one for Dark Souls. So, um, yeah, the, uh, and unlike bo- like most modern games, the DLC like is fulfilling and fills up a lot of major plot holes. Right. Um, but um, the uh, yeah, they just assume that because uh, the first boss is Artorius of the DLC. You kill Artorius pretty much straight off the bat, and, <laughs> and then you did. and then everything else you do is like everyone assumes Artorius did, which is really interesting. Yeah, uh, I think it's a cool concept. Yeah, like, because like, you're you're the only one in the kingdom of Ulasile that's not corrupt. Yeah, because the abyss has taken over everything. Anyway, Astora. The human kingdom outside Lordran, it is uh, a land known for its traditional knights, clergy, and nobility. The way of white originates from here, and the knight and cleric classes available to the player are apparently travelers from this land and start with the way of white covenant. The way of white itself is very proactive about removing undead and sponsors great hunts to round them up and forcibly transport them to an asylum on the edge of Lordran. Clerics and knights within the way of white who become undead are sent to Lordran on a pilgrimage where they are told to search the catacombs and learn the rite of kindling. At some point in the past, a terrible beast known as the Evil Eye attacked the kingdom of Astora, causing great damage. It was defeated, and its spirit is rumored to be trapped in a magic ring. Next, we have Katarina, another kingdom outside Lordran uh, that is known for its festivals and drinks, and also for the peculiar, peculiar onion-like armor of, of its knights. Their armor was designed to deflect blows and is highly effective, and the knights take great pride in it, but the appearance is still mocked by outsiders. So when you see the Onion Knight, uh, it's, he's from Katarina. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, now we have the Great Swamp, a distant and inhospitable land outside Lordran, unwanted by all save for the people who live there. Not a formal kingdom per se, it is populated by outcasts and exiles from other lands. They share common interest in the teachings of pyromancy and appear to practice some form of shamanism as well. As they are not a proper kingdom, they have no order of knights, but pyromancy is an easy craft to use and is still very powerful, especially if you're starting Dark Souls for the first time. Pyromancers in Dark Souls 1 are broken. Um, Travelers from the Great Swamp are often equipped with wrapped clothing that protects them from the dangers of their homeland and versatile hand axes that serve as both tools and weapons. It is not specified whether undead are welcome there, but undead from there are often ecstatic for the chance to travel to Lordran and hopefully visit the ancient city of Isolith. Uh, so Vinheim is a land known for the Dragon School, a place to study for the system of sorcery formalized by the Seath, by, by Seath the Scaleless. Um... The school employs its own spies and assassins trained in sound manipulating magic and through this maintain control of the city and its politics. The sorcerer starting class available to player to the player originates in Vinaheim. Yeah. Uh, next we have Karim. Uh, actually, finally we have Karim. 
The kingdom is mostly known for its shady aristocrats and knights and its gods. If anything, it is the polar opposite of Astora. Partners of Velka, the rogue goddess, are known to come from here. And it is home to the infamous uh, Arstor of Karim. It is a place known for distinctive weaponry. Karim knights use lightweight parrying daggers in place of shields. And their chotels cut a sinister profile. And its archers are trained in a unique crossbow specialized for sniping. A very particular kind of magic ring originates from here. Exceptional at resisting status effects, but rumored to be created through dreadful means. The purging stone items are also from Karim. And the fact that they contain the remains of humans raises serious questions about the nature of their production. So now we're going to talk about some major characters. So first we have Gwyn, the Lord of Sunlight. Bearer of the strongest Lord Soul, Gwyn's power manifested as great spears of sunlight, which take the form of lightning. He founded the kingdom of Enorlando, uh, led an army of his sim- uh, silver knights against the dragons, and was father to Guinevere, Gwendolyn, and his disowned firstborn son. Gwyn- Spoilers, he has other children. They tackle it in the Dark Souls 3 DLC. Yeah, remember- we'll fucking get there to that fucking filling or bullshit <laughs> your favorite god i i really <laughs> i struggle with dark souls 3 because it's still a good dark it's still a good game mm. but like just fuck me up daddy please <clears throat> fuck man dark souls just i i wish dark souls 3 they'd done what they did with dark souls 2 dark souls 2 roughly mentions this stuff but it's so far in the past of dark souls 2 that it's mostly forgotten yeah like, it's really interesting. But, um, so I'd rather them have done that than just fucked my shit up. But wait, I know that Dar- Gwen had other sons and daughters, specifically daughters. Um, I just don't give a shit. So let's continue. <laughs> All right. So Gwen was the first to link the first flame becoming a lord of cinder and now mindlessly guards it against outside threats and serves as a test of strength for those seeking to link it again Gwyn's crown is said to have once had some special power but its power has long since faded and now only exudes a slight warmth by the time the player acquires it Gwyn and his clan are referred to as gods whether this is by Gwyn's own command or simply a title given to them by others for their strength is unknown, though they are still the primary religious figures in many human kingdoms. Yeah. So next we have the... I'm going to read the next two because fucking there's nothing on the name. I'm... Okay. I'm tackling this from the perspective that all we know about is Dark Souls 1. When we get to Dark Souls 3, which I'm assuming at some point we will, Yeah. then we'll tackle things like... I, I know that his firstborn is in Dark Souls 3. But I'm not going to talk about that because we're doing Dark Souls 1. Right. No, it makes, makes more sense, sense. No, it does. From a linear narrative perspective. So, like, we'll get there when we get there. But, like, I know that the Nameless King is his firstborn. Like, that's just... Okay. Cool. We're good. So, the Nameless Firstborn, the first son of Gwyn, he committed some serious offense and was stricken from the uh, Annals of History. His history is not expanded upon in Dark Souls 1. Fun fact, that offense was siding with the fucking dragons during the Dragon War. Uh, Next we have Guinevere, Princess of Sunlight. The second daughter of Gwyn, and known as a goddess of fertility, the real Guinevere married the flame god Flan and left Anorlando long ago when the first flame began to fade. 
but Gwendolyn created an illusion of her to maintain the image of power and stability in the kingdom. The illusion grants successful undead the Lord Vessel and directs them to follow King Seeker Fram's advice and fill it with Lord Souls. Undead who ask can join the Princess Guard, Knights of Guinevere who grant aid to fellow undead through the use of her <clears throat> miracles. Uh, Gwendolyn the Dark Sun is the youngest son of Gwyn and the only god who stayed behind in Andor Londo. Um, Gwendolyn has a deep uh, adoration of the sun and reveres his father spending his time guarding, guarding Gwyn's tomb and orchestrating events alongside, alongside King Seeker Frampt to delay the Age of Dark. Due to his strong connection to the moon and his skill in its magic, he, he was raised as a daughter. Uh, Gwendolyn specializes in a form of sorcery that uses faith instead of intelligence, and he is capable of powerful illusions that are nearly indistinguishable from reality. In this way, he maintains the appearance of a thriving and Orlando. In reality, the kingdom has long since been abandoned and experiences an endless night, and Gwendolyn and his Dark Moon Knights um, are the only ones who remain. Undead may join his company of knights if they wish, though any who dispel the illusion of Guinevere or enter Gwen's tomb are instead marked as irredeemable sinners and pursued by those same knights. Uh, you dispel the illusion of Guinevere by hitting her, and you, if you enter Gwen's tomb, that's where the boss fight for, the optional boss fight for Gwendolyn is. Oh, nice. You don't have, you, the entire time you play the game... I've known people who didn't know Gwendolyn existed in the game. Mm. They've heard of him, but they didn't know he existed in the game because he's so optional and so out of the way. And like, you just go through Anna Londo and you're like, wow, this is a real breath of fresh air from all the bullshit I've been seeing. <laughs> like, because this is like after Blight Town and shit. And a place like Blight Town, you can assume how fun that is. So you're just like, this is all real neat. This is real pretty. But like, it's all, everything's fucked up. Dark Souls is fucking. The whole thing's fucked up. But like, I've known people who've gone through Dark Souls and didn't know that like Anne Orlando was a mess secretly. Yeah. Uh, next we have King Seeker Frampt. One of the primordial serpents, King Seeker Frampt finds undead with the potential to be lords and directs them to link the first flame. Though he is not entirely forthwith and fails to mention that anyone who does will be trapped there, burning for an entire age. Uh, even so, linking the first flame is necessary to prolong the Age of Fire and prevent an Age of Dark. Frampt will denounce the player and abandon them if they ever join Darkstalker Koth instead. Have you... You gotta see what the Primordial Serpents look like, dude. Yeah, they look you just fucking keep weird. saying Primordial Serpents, and I'm just kind of curious. They look weird. Like, they look uncomfortable. Oh my god. Like, they're massive with, like, these weird tendrils. And, like, these giant mouths. They're weird. They're like related to the dragons in some way. That's true nightmare. Yeah, the they they're uncomfortable to say the least. Is this what they look like? I don't know. This is him with mods. Yeah. Anyway, that's Framped. This is the one we were just talking about. Damn. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah, they fucking really are, huh? So next we have Dragon Slayer Ornstein, said to be the captain of Gwyn's Four Greatest Knights. As with the other three, Ornstein was granted a fragment of Gwen's soul for his service in the war against the dragons. He now guards the illusion of Guinevere, serving as a test of strength to the undead who hope to link the first flame. 
His accomplishments against the dragons are legendary, and his spear is said to have once split a boulder in two. He wields uh, a cross spear infused with lightning, which he uses, which uses leverage to penetrate dragon skills, let alone any normal human. Despite being a major figure in the story and even a boss in the game, not much is known about Ornstein uh, beyond what he, what could very well just be legends and hearsay. Next, we have Hawkeye Go. Uh, some people pronounce it Goff. I always pronounce it Go because I pronounce uh, Smo the same way. Fun fact. It's just, yeah. It's my podcast. I'm going to say what we want. Uh, so Hawkeye Go, uh, a giant and a knight of Gwyn, Hawkeye Go and his archers were known for using massive great bows to shoot down flying dragons. Go himself can fell a dragon with a single arrow the size of a tree. But the war is over, and Go now spends his time carving arch trees wood or arch tree wood and imbuing it with spoken messages. Next, we have Lord's Blade Karan, one of Gwyn's assassins and also one of the four knights. She is distinguished amongst the Lord's Blades, though it is never quite explained what exactly her accomplishments are. She's prejudiced against humans, but due to her respect for Artorius, she tries to treat them fairly. And speaking of, now we have Artorius the Abysswalker. A legendary knight of Gwyn, known for his unbreakable will of steel and unmatched skill with great swords, it is said that Artorius forged a pact with the beasts of the abyss to fight against the dark wraiths, but this is only a fabrication, as his true story was intentionally obscured and eventually forgotten. Because you did it. Right. Uh, in reality, Artorius was defeated by the abyss, and his efforts were carried on by a forgotten champion. This champion eventually defeated Manus father of the abyss, successfully stalling the abyss's growth for some time. Artorius was friends with uh, Sif the Great Wolf and the cat Alvinia, yeah. um, both of who now defend his grave from those who hope to find the means to enter the abyss. Now we have probably the saddest part of Dark Souls, Great Grey Wolf Sif, uh, a towering wolf and battle compatriot of Artorius. No, I'm talking like literal wolf. No, no, I've like, seen. Like I've seen big motherfucker. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've seen what Sif looks like. Uh, legends holds. Legend holds that Artorius once traversed the abyss to defeat the Dark Wraiths, and his companion Sif now guards his grave to deter anyone who would try to enter the abyss for their own means. If the player completed the Artorius of the abyss, the abyss DLC. Sif will recognize them, but this is still a mandatory fight and can't be avoided. Yeah, like Sif will come down, and she'll be like. Because I've always assumed Sif was a girl. It's just yeah. my knowledge of Norse mythology kind of did that. So she'll like come down and she'll like look at you and just like nod at you. Like, I know what's up. Yeah. But and, I'm still going to fight. But like fight. you still are trying to get into Artorius's grave. Yeah. And that's not going to fucking fly. Um, so next we have Alvina, another ally of Knight Artorius. Alvina now leads a group of bandits to defend his grave. Any who approach the grave of Artorius in uh, Darkroot Forest are attacked by her covenant, but players can join her covenant to also defend the grave from intruders and to allow free access to it. Oh, I forgot to put in giant fucking cat. Just like, right. based on the Cheshire cat, with like a big smile. That's dope. Yeah, the uh, Alvina's pretty cool. So now we have Velka, the goddess of sin. Velka is a black-haired witch and rogue goddess. Though what this means is never explained, she keeps record of all sins committed by humans and can absolve these sins for a price. 
She has some relation to crows, but what this means is not explained. Priests of Velka are called pardoners and wander the land, taking confessions and absolving sins. Velka has two miracles in her name, karmic justice and vow of silence, and her hair can be fashioned into a talisman that draws strength from intelligence instead of faith. Miyazaki has said that the crow people in the painted world of Ariamaeus, 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 whatever, <laughs> are fervent followers of Velka and become crow monsters uh, in their devotion of her. You never actually see Velka in game. She's like this weird kind of enigma. Like she's mentioned enough so that there's obviously something to say about her. Right. And like she has a connection to the painted world. But, um,. You don't know that much about Velka. So next we have the Witch of Islith, uh, one of the four original Lord Soul Bearers. Uh, her Lord Soul granted the power of fire. She is a witch and a master of the now-forgotten fire sorceries and founded in the city of Islith with her daughters deep underground. When the first flame began to fade, she attempted to create a second first flame to replace it using her witchcraft and a special soul, but failed catastrophically and instead created the Flame of Chaos. The birth of Chaos marked the, marked the birth of demons, and its flame transformed the Witch of Islith and her, all her daughters into demons, uh, bearing Quailana, uh, who escaped the destruction of her home. As the daughters of Islith were the only practitioners of fire sorcery, it is now a forgotten art, but the creation of Chaos also created pyromancy as a byproduct. Gwyn waged war against the demons and eventually routed them, um, shackling the bed of chaos, their source of life, to contain them. Uh, so next we have Quailana, one of the daughters of Isolith and the only one who successfully escaped the destruction of her home. The end of Isolith marked the end of sorcery, but the creation of chaos also marked the birth of pyromancy. Quailana adapted many old fire sorcery spells into pyromancy, then taught them to her pupil Salaman long ago who then taught it to the outcasts who live in the Great Swamp. In teaching pyromancy, she hoped to teach people control over the flame to prevent another such disaster, while also preaching a message to fear the flame as it is inherently uncontrollable. Fear the old blood. Quilana is now <laughs> known to predate the Age of Fire, but by how much of even now, or how... Mm -hmm. Quailana is known to predate the Age of Fire, but by how much or even how at all is never explained. I'll do Quailog too. Uh, Quailog is one of the Daughters of Chaos. She fled Isolith with their sister, but was not able to escape before being transformed by the Flame of Chaos. She is now a demon and has taken up residence near one of the Two Bells of Awakening with her sister, the Fair Lady. So the Fair Lady is an unnamed daughter of Chaos and a firekeeper. She is pale and ill. Along with Quelag, she fled the lost city of Islith, but, but still became a demon. The Fair Lady is affected by stillborn eggs, though unbeknownst to her, each serves as a cradle for a tiny uh, humanity sprites. She is tended to by her followers and members of her Chaos Servants Covenant who bring her the humanity she needs. She's also a firekeeper and maintains a bonfire and can assist the and can assist an undead by upgrading their Estus flasks. She does not speak a language known by the playable by the player character and can only be understood if they have the correct magic ring. Members of her covenant who offer humanity will be taught powerful pyromancies born 
from the Flame of Chaos and can uh, access the city of Isla through a secret entrance. Her true name is unknown, and she isn't given a name even in the game files. Yes, no one knows the Fair Lady's real name. So now we have Gravelord Nito, who's my favorite Edgelord. Uh, <laughs> I actually am a huge fan of Gravelord Nito because of how little of a shit he gives. Like, all of this is going on, and, like, again, he's another character. You don't have to fight Gravelord Nito. You can join Gravelord Nito. You can join his covenant. Nice. And he's like, his covenant is just about killing things, because you must bring death to the Gravelord. Um, but, uh, yeah, you don't have to fight Gravelord Nito. You can. I usually do, because I like to kill all of the uh, original captures of the sword. Kill the Bed of Chaos, which is essentially the Witch of Isolith. Uh, you can kill Gwyn. Um, I've always kind of... I know Dark Souls 3 may have retconned it, depending on who you're talking about, but I've always assumed Manus was the third of Pygmy, and then Gravelord Nido. So I usually kill them all so I can get all their souls. So one of the four original Lord Soul Bearers, uh, Nido's soul granted power over death. Nido can inflict disease and decay and animate skeletons to fight for him. Have you seen what Nido looks like? No. <laughs> Dude, Nido's great. Hold up. I'll read the rest of this. Would you say he's Nido? I make that joke all the time, and <laughs> I'm the only one who gets it because none of my friends play this game, and I love it. Yeah, it's a good artist's description. He's just an amalgamation of skeletons. That's fucking dope. Yeah, Gravelord Nito's fucking cool. This guy's giant sword. He's just like a bunch of skeletons with like a shroud over it. That's awesome. Um, it's so fucking cool, dude. It really is. It's uh along with the other four original lords, he played a major role in defeating the dragons and now holds dominion over an extended system of crypts and tombs where he watches over the dead. Nido leads a covenant, the Grave Lord servants, who use eyes of death to spread misfortune and curses which produces more of the eyes of death Nito desires. Not much is known about him beyond this, though at one point a group of occultists tried to take part of the lords of his lord's soul in an attempt to slay the gods. More recently, the necromancer at Pinwheel has been slowly draining Nito's power for his own use. Even despite all this, Nito's lord's soul remains strong enough to satiate the lord vessel, and he's still a lord in his own right. Nito just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> give a fuck. Uh, Pinwheel is the necromancer of the catacombs. He has been taking power from Nido's soul for his own ends. Pinwheel appears to have three heads and six arms, and the concept art of him shows three separate bodies, either stacked together or fused underneath his robe. Pinwheel himself is not especially powerful and does not accomplish anything of note in the story. Uh, his three masks are each enchanted with a special power and will fortify the body of anyone wearing them. That and wearing the father mask is the shit in this game. There's like a build that involves wearing that mask in Dark Souls that's like the best build in the game statistically. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So he's usually worth killing. So now we have Seath the Scaleless, uh, who is another character I love because he's very interesting to me. Seath was born without the scales that make other dragons immortal. In his envy, he betrayed them and stole the primordial crystal which granted him near-complete invulnerability, if not an adequate imitation of immortality. After the war, he was given the title of Duke by Gwyn, a fragment of Gwyn's own soul, and a tower and archives to conduct his research in. 
Seath eventually codified a system of magic utilizing souls and is known as the father of sorcery by the Dragon School of Vinheim, which teaches it. Seath spent his time trying to find the secrets of immortality and produce scales for himself, but his research eventually drove him mad and his experiments became more and more deranged. By the time the game begins, he is sending his minions out to kidnap maidens and perform horrible atrocities on them, turning them into monsters. In his madness, he developed powerful sorceries based on a link between souls and crystals, uh, the mere study of which is enough to drive other wizards equally insane. As with old dragons, his tail can be severed to find a special weapon, the Moonlight Greatsword, hey. uh, a non-physical blade that shoots and is composed of waves of moonlight. Yeah, it's been in every... There's, it's been in every franchise, at least, since Demon Souls. I don't know if you can get it in the other games, but the Moonlight Greatsword is in Dark Souls. Uh, it's also our favorite weapon in Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, next we have Big Hat Logan, a famous sorcerer who once studied at the Vinheim Dragon School of Sorcery, students of Seat's work. Logan is known for developing new and powerful sorceries, one of which is believed to be on par with Lord Gwyn's lightning. Uh, he eventually left the Dragon School and traveled to Lordran. Uh, where he became undead over 100 years ago, seeking Seath's legendary archives. Should he manage to reach it, Logan will study Seath's research and develop even more powerful crystal sorceries, but will eventually go mad when he recreates Seath's crystal breath as a spell. Uh, I've always looked at Logan kind of like this world Merlin. Like, he's, like, okay. revered and famous. Like, because, again, time works differently. People will be like, Big Hat Logan, I've heard about him through legend, but like Big Hat Logan standing right there. Yeah. Like he's like a myth to these people because he hasn't existed in their world in hundreds and hundreds of years because time's weird. Um, but yeah, I've always viewed Logan as like Merlin in popularity, which like Merlin's a household name. Uh, next, we have the Fur to Pygmy, uh, one of the original four lords who waged war on the dragons along with Gwyn, Nido, and the Witch of Isolith. Gwyn feared the dark soul the pygmy possessed. Yes, the dark soul is in the pygmy's possession. Because you got to look at it like this. Um, Gwyn had fire. Isolith had life. Nido had death. Therefore, the pygmy had dark. Gotcha. Um, so Gwyn feared the dark soul the pygmy possessed, and all records of his or her existence and the contributions to the war were stricken from history. The pygmy is the ancestor of all humanity, all of whom each bear a tiny piece of the dark soul. The Four Kings, uh, rulers of New Londo, a city of the undead, a city of undead. The, they were granted fragments of Gwyn's lord soul in recognition of their skills as leaders and peacefully ruled New Londo for a time. They eventually encountered Dark Stalker Koth, who taught them the art of life drain, and in joining him, they and their knights became Dark Wraiths. The armor and weapons of their knights were twisted into a skeletal appearance, and the four kings themselves now reside in the abyss and, be and became things uh, scarcely human. They and the Dark Wraiths were eventually trapped within New Londo, which was flooded to contain them, though they are not dead yet. Uh, next we have Darkstalker Koth. One of the primordial serpents, Darkstalker Koth acts to end the Age of Fire and begin an Age of Dark. 
It is suspected that he is the one who tricked the people of Ulus Isle into reviving Manus, and in the game itself, he argues that the player character should forsake the First Flame and become a Lord of Dark, ruling over an age of humanity. His words are true, though much like Frampt, he leaves out a lot of important details that might otherwise lead a person to think twice. Koth taught the art of life drain to the Four Knights of New Londo, causing them and their knights to become corrupted by the Dark and give rise to the Dark Raids. Humanity stealing undead knights who are a threat to anything with a soul. The Dark Raids now answer to Koth, and he commands them to go out and steal humanity from their fellow undead in the hopes that one among them will become powerful enough to qualify as a Dark Lord. Should the player side with Koth, Frampt will denounce them and leave, but should the player side with Frampt, Koth will never show himself in the first place. Next we have Manus, Father of the Abyss, uh, a primeval... Uh, human, Manus was once a man, but becomes a twisted abomination after being resurrected. His humanity goes wild and s- similarly mutates any other human it comes in contact with. He's a dark sorcerer of immense power and wields the strength of the Abyss to bring the kingdom of Ulasile to its knees in, in short order, capturing the princess of dark, uh, Dusk. Uh, the Abyss spreads rapidly under his guidance, and while it spreads... Its spread is halted with his death. Um, Gao notes that this is only a temporary measure. The knight Artorius attempts to stop him, but is defeated. Manus himself is warped beyond the ability to reason by his revival and desperately seeks his precious pendant, which he never finds. He demonstrates the ability to reach beyond time and space, snatching at least two people from the future and dragging them back into the past. Yeah, he interestingly enough snatches someone called, um, oh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Hold up. Um, fuck. What the fuck is that guy's name? Marvelous Chester. That's his name. They, one of the characters pulled in there is Marvelous Chester. If you look at Marvelous Chester, um, you guys at home can look it up, but I'm going to show Nick. What does he loosely remind you of? The Joker? Besides that. Oh. (laughs) He's wearing the clothes you wear in Bloodborne. Oh, yeah, that's true. Bloodborne was in development at the same time as the... Bloodborne was in development for years. It was in development at the same time as this DLC was released. There is a theory. There's several theories as to if Bloodborne ties into the greater Dark Souls universe. Because it, it thematically is so different, but it could. This he, Chester is one of the characters who creates a pro, like creates part of that theory. Yeah, he like even says something along those lines. Um, he like his preferred weapon of choice is a crossbow, so he uses a gun mm-hmm. like as he fights, which is very bloodborne-y. Right, and then uh, what the fuck. I believe he has a line about the universe he came from that has something to do with that. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty fucking weird. But, oh yeah, here's a uh, concept art for Chester, which might kind of help you with that whole Bloodborne yeah. theme. Yeah, that looks like he's from Bloodborne. Yeah, and he looks like was he holding like a cane? Yeah, it looks like he was or holding a knife, the, but oh, it looks like the cane. Yeah, weapon. He, there's a prevailing theory. Chester is part of that prevailing theory. Um, 
Yeah, so he's one of the he's, by snatching two when you arrive in the Bloodborne in the uh, Abyss Walker DLC, Chester's with you. But he's about as helpful as any fucking DLC or any fucking NPC character in Dark Souls, which is not very. No. The only helpful character is uh, Sunbro. Uh, Stone Dragon of Ash Lake, a descendant of the ancient dragons and the leader of a covenant of undead who seek to become dragons themselves. The player can join a covenant with the Stone Dragon to receive items that partially transform them into a dragon. The Dragon Greatsword, a weapon imbued with the Stone Dragon's power, is found by cutting its tail. The dragon doesn't seem to mind and doesn't become hostile if the player cuts off its tail. Well, that's good. So, fun fact, uh, not a bad weapon to get if you're into greatswords. <laughs> Next, we have Black Dragon Kelmeet, an ancient and powerful dragon and survivor of the war against the dragons. Kelmeet himself was above and beyond the other dragons in terms of strength, and Gwen and the other lords dared not provoke his ear. Um, those who challenged Kelmeet can expect a long and difficult fight, all for a cursed ring that makes its wearer take double damage from enemy attacks. <laughs> yeah, you have to kill Kelmeet to play this game on hard mode. <laughs> Good. Um, as with all other dragons, Kelmeet's tail can be severed to find the Obsidian Greatsword, a weapon imbued with his might. Uh, now we're going to hop into minor characters. Um, fucking dibs. Uh, <laughs> I figured. Uh, now we have um, one of my favorite characters in video games, Solar of Astora. Uh, Knight Solar is a follower of the Warriors of Sunlight Covenant and introduces the player to the game's co-op mechanics. Solar worships the god Gwyn and desires to find a son of his own. Contrary to some theories, he is an ordinary human and his excessive power is only a result of training and dedication to his goal, as explained in the descriptions of his equipment. Solar's questline has two ends, and one he falls into despair and finds the Sunlight Maggot, a shining and parasitic demon that drives him insane. But if the player kills the Sunlight Maggot before he can find it, Solar will instead recover from his despair and later offers his assistance against Gwyn, Lord of Cinder. Dope. You really want to know how to do that. When we were talking about um, the Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. It said that you, members of her covenant who offer her humanity, will be taught powerful pyromancies born from the flame of chaos and can access the city of Isolith through a secret entrance. You have to do that secret entrance before you go to Isolith. This needs to be how you first go to Isolith because then you go down that secret entrance and the sunlight maggots are right there and then you kill them before Solaire goes in there. Gotcha. If you go into Isolith the proper way, then you have to kill Solaire. Which breaks my heart every and, time. And nobody wants that. No one wants that. So next we have uh, Andre of Astor, uh, a blacksmith from Astor, trained in smithing, both mundane and divine. He can reinforce weapons to their maximum strength or infuse them with divine power to gain bonus damage from faith. Uh, peculiarly, he has a unique model and is the only character whose mouth moves when speaking. The statues that hold divine embers share his model. Um, next, we have Siegmeier of Katarina. Uh, a knight of Katarina, Siegmeier came to Lordran when he became undead. Siegmeier is searching for adventure, and the player can find him in a variety of predicaments throughout the game. His questline is linked with his daughter, Siegland, and both must be completed together. So now we have Siegland of Katarina. 
uh, the daughter of Siegmeier. She is searching for her father to give him her mother's last words. If her quest line is completed, she eventually finds him, but he has gone hollow, which I haven't even touched what going hollow is. Uh, she resolves to kill him again and again until he can finally rest permanently. When an undead goes hollow, they lose their mind. Basically, they lose their purpose, so their mind goes with their purpose. Uh, the reason Siegmeier is so fucking sad is because he, he wants adventure, keeps going to these predicaments, and you save him. But because you save him, he's not having any adventure. Yeah. So you are <laughs> inadvertently the you're reason he goes hollow. It. Yeah, you're ruining it, and therefore you are inadvertently the reason he goes hollow. <laughs> which is just really... Dark Souls is a really depressing game. Yeah, I mean... I mean... Everything they do is depressing. Yeah. Um... So next we have Laurentis of the Great Swamp. A pyromancer uh, from the Great Swamp, Laurentis was overjoyed when he became undead. Weirdly. And, <laughs> and journeyed to uh, Lord Dren in hopes that he might someday find the legendary witch uh, Koilana, mother of pyromancy. He teaches the basic... Uh, he teaches the player basic pyromancy spells and will give them a part of his own pyromancy flame if they don't already have one. If the player ever fights Koilana, they can tell him about her. He will leave to find her, but wanders lost through Blight Town and eventually goes hollow. Yeah, yeah, no one gets a happy ending in Dark Souls. Um, uh, Engi, a servant of the Fair Lady, he tends to her and guards her against intruders. He bears parasitic eggs as a sign of devotion and sympathy for the Fair Lady's suffering. He was once a pyromancer from the Great Swamp, but was driven out for his perversions in the Art of Fire which turned flame into clouds of poison and inflicted prolonged suffering upon others. Engi is skilled with pyromancy and will share his knowledge with those who show as much devotion to the fair lady as he does. So next we have Griggs of Vinheim, an admirer of Big Hat Logan, who hopes to study uh, sorcery with him. Griggs' attire and equipment suggest that he, in fact, may be one of Vinheim's spies, um, but whether he's following Logan under their orders or simply went his own way when he became an undead is not known. Uh, next, we have blacksmith Rickert of Vinheim. Another former student of Vinheim, Rickert is found locked in a cell near the upper edge of New, of New Londo. Surprisingly, Rickert is there willingly and stays because it's safe from the hollows. He's a talented mage smith and can imbue the player's weapons with magic, allowing them to gain bonus damage from intelligence. Uh, next, we have Ingward, the Sealer, one of the three healers who devised a plan to contain the Dark Wraiths by flooding New Londo, knowing that this would also cause the deaths of countless innocents. Um, the three swore to remain and watch over the city and wear distinctive masks as a symbol of their oath, but by the time the game starts, Ingward is the only one who remains. Ingward himself knows sorcery that can cure uh, curses, a power that is said to be on par with Divine Axe. The curse and spell of the second seal, sealer can be found in Blight Town, and their poison-curing uh, sorcery may suggest that they were trying to uh, relieve the, the suffering there. The final sealer is found with Lautric in uh, Enor Londo, though they no longer wear their mask, which suggests that they may have forsaken their oath. Yeah, next we have uh, Princess Dusk of Ulasile, the princess of the human kingdom of Ulasile. Dusk is trapped in one of Seath's crystal golems when the player finds her. 
She owes the player character a depth of gratitude and offers to teach them the sorceries of her kingdom before she fades back to her natural time. The player can then use her sign to summon her and learn the long-forgotten light-based spells of Ulasile. As the events of the game progress, she is eventually captured by the resurrected Menace, who then pulls the player character into the past where they try to, when they try to investigate. Oh, now we got we have patches. <laughs> yeah, patches. Patches. So next we have Patches the Hyena. Uh, patches is a wandering merchant traveling the world and selling his wares. He is known for tricking people and luring them into tra- uh, death traps, then looting their corpses for trinkets to sell. If the player forgives him for this, he will eventually offer to sell his wares to them. Um, patches holds a great disdain for clerics and will never make peace if the player is one. Yeah, just every game. He, which is the irony of him appearing in Bloodborne as a follower of uh, uh, the the Healing Church, not of no, the Healing Church. Um, he was following uh, Amigdala. Oh right, right, right. Would so like he was like a spider priest for Amigdala. So the irony there is that he is a cleric for Amigdala. Next, we have Crossbreed Priscilla, a half dragon hybrid. Priscilla was a forlorn outcast feared by the gods for her power of life hunt and eventually found her way to the painted world of Arimaeus. Her weapons are imbued with the power of life hunt, which causes heavy bleeding in living things. She is not initially hostile and simply asks the player to return to their own world when first encountered. As with other dragons, her tail can be cut to find a special weapon. Next, we have the Gaping Dragon, which is a descendant of the Ancient Dragons. Uh, The Gaping Dragon was consumed by gluttony and slowly transformed into a giant mouth. Um, It attacks the player relentlessly uh, in its hunger and must be killed because it ate the key to Blighttown. Uh, Cutting off its tail will give the Dragon King Great Axe, a weapon imbued with the Gaping Dragon's strength. Then we have Marvelous Chester, a man's... Of mystery snatched from the future by Manus and stranded in the past in Ulasile. Uh, he can serve as a merchant. Um, and then finally, we have Elizabeth, a giant mushroom who is a guardian to the sanctuary, sanctuary in Ulasile and godmother to Princess Dusk. Uh, she is the source of the legend of the Abyss Walker. Yeah, she's literally a mushroom. Uh, <laughs> a living one, but a mushroom nonetheless. So... Now we got to talk real quick about time uh, before we we stop talking about Dark Souls. This one ran really fucking long for us, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of shit. Yeah, and uh, the they all kind of matter to a degree because they all tie into each other, which is why I kind of wanted to tackle everyone. Um, but now we need to talk about time. I kind of mentioned it up top. Time works weird in Dark Souls. Uh, time isn't linear, uh, and it's distorted. Uh, both in how long things take and in a linear fashion. Um, so I got some examples through dialogue and stuff. Uh, so you find out that heroes are uh, phasing in and out that are centuries apart. You find this out from Solaire, who uh, kind of says that you're not from the same time when you meet him and gives you the white soapstone. Uh, Quailana says, a thousand years of atonement must surely be enough referring to the Bed of Chaos catastrophe. But earlier, like, it sounds like it just happened. Um, King Seeker Frampt says, you've retreated the Lord Vessel after a thousand years. Um, so you go and get the Lord Vessel, and then come back, and to Frampt, a thousand years has passed. But to you, you just got the Lord Vessel. Like, yeah, it, 
Uh, Big Hat Logan was a royal member of the Dragon School until he turned undead. But uh, the the person says that was over 100 years ago. But Big Hat Logan's standing right there. And um, Salomon, the master pyromancer, accepted, uh, was accepted as Quailana's pupil over 200 years ago. But people are still serving under Salomon. So, like, it's... Time works weird, and it's one of the harder parts of understanding it. The real reason time works weird is because they wanted a reason for co-op and PvP to work. So yeah, they, they like giving uh, lore reasons to their game mechanics. So. Yeah, they the real like they because heroes are phasing in and out. Yeah, so like that's why you literally have co-op people. If you have like co-op and PvP on, they can just randomly appear. And that's why, because they can, they're just phasing in and out. Time is distorted. Uh, it also explains why, like, you can go across vast distances in this land, but not have gone that far. Yeah. It, like, in Dark Souls 3, it's about convergence. Like, all the lands are literally being pushed together to bring the Ashen Lords together. And this one, it's because time is not working properly time is broken because the darkness is coming <laughs> the darkness so that's what we have about dark souls yeah it, that long i literally ama- amalgamation of words dude, i literally that we just spoke. i literally have more <laughs> yeah we have more yeah but, but i'm not we're not it's we're, mostly it's repeat, mostly redundant mostly repeating ourselves yeah um, of would, stuff that we've said just more like in focused depth, on, yeah, focusing yeah. on the deities and worship of them and all that, uh, which if you really want to know, we can. Pro- I could probably scrape up more because that's where I deleted a lot of stuff. Let us know. Um, Jesus Christ! Like we like to end every episode. <laughs> Holy shit! It's fucking eight. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, like we like to end every fucking episode. Nick, what have you been playing? Um, have you finished God of War yet? No. Okay. Well, I have. I did everything I wanted to do. So I beat the game. Like I said last week. And I beat all the secret bosses and did all the side quests. So I've been playing Destiny Warmind. Oh, what do you think? Sure. <laughs> I know you sent me a picture that you fight a giant okay, high so I was, it was, I had fun playing it. I played it for about two days. I'm kind of over it now. Okay. Um, the campaign was about like five missions long <sighs> and like didn't have much to do with Rasputin. It was more like, Spoilers for Warmind. That's fine. Uh, the the traveler woke at the end of the uh, at the, the end vanilla, of Destiny Two. Yeah, the end of Destiny Two. So that woke up Rasputin, and he was housing Hive under the ice. So the enemies in this game are the Hive, but covered in ice. Oh, that's kind of neat. Um, so it's kind of cool because like when you destroy them, they shatter. Oh, that's neat. And they look kind of visually different. Like the knives, the knights have shields now, and you can break their shields. Oh, cool. And I think there's a sniper class now. Um, whatever. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, Rasputin's kind of there, but not really. You see him at the end, and he, like, speaks. Holy sh- Does he speak English? No, he speaks. And oh, Russian. Russian, and the female character that's, like, in this. Can speak Russian? Yeah, speaks, because she's, like, obsessed with Rasputin. Um, she translates for him, and he's just like, I am the guardian, and I will protect everybody now. Like, no more of this bullshit. Like, I'm gonna, st- basically, like, I'm gonna step in. And Zvalo's like, what the fuck did we do? 
Because, like, the entire time, it's like, this girl's like, we can trust Rasputin. And Zvala's like, no, we can't. And that's that. And then, like, there's this whole thing where there's a worm, where there's Zol the worm god, and you fight him. And Is that- it one of the, like, the worm gods? Uh, that's what I'm assuming. Oh, I tried geez. to look up the name, but I... Uh, if we talked about it, we didn't. Our, there was only one hive. we talked about. And it's the one that Oryx uh, killed and scrimshot into the dreadnought. Right. Um, Jesus, that's after talking so much about Dark Souls. I'm just diving to a whole nother part portion of my lore knowledge, and yeah. it just hurts. Yeah. So yeah, you fight. You fight that, and before that, I think you fight Oryx's brother, which I forget the name, but I don't. He's I don't got. Think, I don't think it was one of the sisters. I forget. I mean, it, it might I, be like Oryx's like bonded brother or something yeah. like that, but like it's not. Oryx doesn't have any physical brothers. He's got two sisters. Right. Um. So there's that. But like I said, the campaign's short. Um. They added. Is the new raid fighting against <sighs> Rasputin? No. See, this is the thing with the raid, and I think the same thing with Osiris is that it's still considered the Leviathan, but I think it's con- it's like called a new layer. So it's like different, but I think you're still part of the Leviathan because it's like the That's Leviathan dumb. that came out with the original, and then it's like the Leviathan colon something else, and now it's the Leviathan colon something. So else. like, what the fuck? Rather than putting in the creativity of like putting in a new raid, they just started like adding to the old raid. I guess. That's but like dumb. I don't think you do the same things. Like I, think I don't it's give t- a shit. I know. I know you. No, I know what you mean. Like I, I kind of agree. Like what I liked about Destiny is like. Even uh, Crota and King's Fall felt different because they were separate raids. Yeah. Like, I liked how what I really liked about Destiny 1 was all the raids were very distinct. It's why the raid bosses stuck out so much to me, yeah. which is why I have all the pop vinyls for them, including Crota. I don't want to talk about how much I paid for that fucking Crota pop vinyl. Like, I really like the 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 raid bosses because they feel so separate. Right. Like, but if you're going to just add new layers to the Leviathan, I have no reason to play your goddamn game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and you can patrol Mars now. Um, that's cool, I guess. They added, like, a, a new public event that's kind of like a horde mode. You, okay. you activate a thing, you just fight waves of, of yeah, hive, and they, and they get harder, and you get, there's, like rarity drops at like the later levels of yeah. the waves um levels 30 now i don't know what the cap power is um they added i know this wasn't with the dlc and i think they added it in between the two dlcs but they added like um things to the weapons where you can i think they're they're called masterworks where you can equip or you can get them as drops and basically, they they're like buffs to the to the weapons that you can add on or acquire with them already equipped. And I think they like if you put them on weapons, they have the potential to drop an orb on an enemy kill for like your super. Oh, that's cool. And that it gives minor stats. And then I think for the armor, you take less damage when you're using your super. No, that's um, And I don't really know any more specifics of the. Of the stuff that they added, like they added weapons and and armor and new items to get and stuff like that, and exotic quests. I think I have a couple that I got from finishing the th- like. I think that you you finish the campaign and it gives you one of them or two of them. 
I think one of them's for the sleeper stimulant. Which Fuck is like, that gun. which is like, I never used it in Destiny One, but it's still like, yeah, 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 Destiny One weapon again, like not anything new. Yeah. So, like, I had fun playing it. I, whatever, I already owned it, so it's not like I. I'll play it eventually. I'm just not. I'm not in wasting a rush. anything again. I had, I was in that time period this week where I finished God of War and I'm waiting for Hyrule, so it, it filled that gap nicely. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. They also added a couple strikes, but I don't think I've done them. Because I think I was doing heroic strike playlists, um, and I just kept getting the old ones. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's that's about it. And my thoughts on that, still still disappointing. Over, is, overall, Destiny Two in general, just as as much as like I own some really fun... as much as like it was like because we we fucking... I actually really liked the campaign for right, Destiny because 2. I was about to say because we praised the fuck out of it when we first got it which which was great but I think once we ended the campaign there wasn't much to do after that and the DLCs so far don't seem to be adding much more to that right whereas like when we finished the campaigns stuff with one we had so much longevity afterwards because yeah. there was so much cool shit to do after you beat the campaign yeah there was just, it just seems like well, they devoted more to the story, and I really, really like the story for Destiny 2. Like, I like the, the bad guy in Destiny 2 a lot. What was his name? Um, Gaul. Gaul. I'm a huge... He was so cool. And he, like, made sense to me, and, like, it was a compelling character, and you have to bring the team back together, and, like, Destiny 2's story's incredible, but there's no meat on the bone once the story's done. It's just disappointing i i don't actually think destiny 2 is a bad game i'm just a little bit disappointed in it yeah oh i mean like i said i haven't even played trials uh, or not trials i haven't even played the osiris osiris dlc yeah yet. that was a disappointment too because it was like i feel like both of these were like a disappointment because like one focused on Osi was supposed to focus on osiris and one was supposed, supposed to, to focus, focus on rasputin which are like two really big things that are and like really fucking really, cool interesting things really cool characters but like this one like barely any Rasputin, and, and like, well, Osiris DLC had more Osiris, I wish there was even more Osiris than yeah. what we got. Yeah, like, Osiris was such an enigma for so long, and then, like, he gets into the game, and it's like, meh. Yeah. Like, like you... This is it. Like, fucking do more, please. Yeah, don't give me a little bit of orgasm denial, and then not let me bust my load. Damn. Right. So, that's about it for me. How about yourself? Um, I'm still playing a variety of Switch games. Uh... I have been playing a lot of Fractured Butthole, um, which is just fucking great. The game's so great. <laughs> I, I've been calling people out on their microaggressions in real life, <laughs> and it's become a real problem. I, It's just, those games are just like playing an episode of South Park, and if you like it's, South Park, they're... Which is such a feat in itself. Yeah, and if you like South Park, you're doing yourself a disservice not playing these games. Right. Um, they are like episodes of the show. Uh, I'm still, when I get bored, playing a little bit of Naruto. <laughs> Here's what I know about Naruto from this. Yes. Um, Update. So Naruto's a ninja. He wants to become the Hokage. <laughs> but he's also a fox. But like a Godzilla fox. So the other Hokage died making Naruto have a fox in him. Not in a sexy way. Mm. And then... He really likes ramen. And when you press A, Naruto becomes a couple Narutos. That's it. Good. I'm still, still don't know what's going on. 
just a fox loving fucking ramen eating fucker. He says, believe it a lot. <laughs> and when you press A, he becomes several Naruto's. And then do they all proceed to say, believe it? Believe it. <laughs> I'm still playing Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, uh, which is so good. <laughs> like, uh, obscenely good. Uh, I have a gas mask now, now in Splatoon. I'm just waiting for Hyrule Warriors. Same. <laughs> like, comma again. Comma again. Well, for me, the first time, but I'll get to play all it, all of it in its entirety, not split into DLC and two versions. Yeah, I'm gonna buy the fuck out of that game. Yeah, yeah. I'm play some. some I'm excited because I've been playing a lot of my PS4 with uh, God of War and Destiny 2, so I'm excited to go back to my Switch because I really haven't touched that much since. The fuck was the last thing I played? You, you, I, because you don't play your Switch nearly as much as I have. Yeah, I don't have as much for it as you do. Because I buy everything for my Switch now. No, like no. if a new game comes out, I'm gonna pick it up for my Switch, and if like, well, I agree, but a like, game comes out for multiple things, I pick it up for my Switch, and like, right, which is why I'm gonna wait for Dark Souls. But um, I'm probably gonna buy Dark Souls just so I can have all of them on my PS4. But yeah, so that's it. That wraps up this long episode. Yeah, this is a long one. Normally, we'd go into Future Fight and D&D Corner, except for the fact that I don't want to talk about Future Fight because this is a long episode and we didn't play D&D. &D. Yeah. So yeah. check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore Tales. Uh, send us pictures if you guys got food trucks like locally because we don't know if food trucks are just a phenomenon of Rhode Island. Like, I know that, like, they're in cities and shit, but, like, do your food trucks congregate in suburban neighborhoods? Yeah. Like, we, like we, they do around here. Like they do around here, because we don't fucking know. I mean, I'm not complaining, because, like, I had some bomb-ass food earlier, because food truck food is the shit. But, like, I just didn't know if this was a phenomenon. So take pictures or DM us about your food trucks. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Bye. Love you. The world of... <clears throat> Fuck, I... No, please start that again, Gargle. This is going to be a fucking long episode. I'm telling you. You need Sudafed, Nick. I should have, like, taken some. Because we got, like, enough Sudafed to open up a meth house in this house. <clears throat> Everyone but or me... we could just open the meth Oh, yeah. Or we could just start making meth. Everyone but me has really, really bad allergies in this family. I'm the only one who got out unscathed. I don't know how. But, like, allergy, like, this is a real bad season for allergies because even I feel it a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've always had issues with allergies and this fucking season is the worst. Yeah, this, it's real bad because it's real bad when I feel it. Yeah. But, like, my family's dying. So, like I said, enough Sudafed to make a fucking meth house. Yeah, we might have to. <clears throat> I, mean, Fuck, no. like, <laughs> I even couldn't say that. Souls are life and life is fire. It's <clears throat> this fucking gator is biting me, dude. Did you take Tums? That's why I'm burping so much right now. Yeah, I'm gonna get it all out of my system. Uh, souls are life and light. <sighs> yeah, we're just gonna die between your fucking dude. This is gonna be a long fucking a episode. Acid and my allergies. and we decided to do fucking Dark Souls too. <clears throat> this is gonna be a long episode and a special soul, but failed catastrophe. Uh, catastrophically. Catastrophically. Catastrophic. <laughs> I have to. God, I like this is so rough already. I love it. We're gonna. We're, this is our night. This is. 
This is where the podcast ends. This is the one that breaks us. This is our fucking night, Nick. Oh my god. I didn't <sighs> know this would be a problem. We're starting late, too, like really late for us, because we decided to go eat fucking shit food at a fucking food truck thing in my neighborhood. Dude, you what did you have, bison? Yeah. Dude, you had bison, I had ve- uh, venison and gator. Like, we're just... Man, this is rough. My eyes itch. You know, we're talking about Dark Souls, which is, like, convoluted as fuck. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> we got Let's fucking do it. Uh, so next we have Enor... Uh, fuck you. Fuck, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Dude, I love the fact that we keep getting these play- these ones that you can't pronounce shit in. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you were trying to pronounce Square Tile? <laughs> Square Tile. Um, to my def... To, Not- my- to-, to your defense, it was Elder Speech. And I don't think... I don't really have that much. I don't. I think you had that first, so that way I knew it afterwards. So like, I didn't. I don't think I struggled. I think I had to tell you square tile before you read it. And Orlando, Calrissian, um, close. Some demons now appear in roles that suggest. So next we have Ulasile, an ancient and long forgotten humankind. Uh, humankind. What the fuck came out of my mouth just now? <laughs> also, when you see the name with the A, that's Artorius. Ooh, your foot touched my foot. Oh Ooh, my foot. god, we're getting married. Oh my god. You are making a whore of me. <laughs> you have unsullied me. Yeah. Um, to replace it using her witchcraft and a special soul, but failed catastrophically. Catastroph- fuck your fuck your mother. Catastrophically. That's not how you pronounce it. Fuck your mother is not how you pronounce catastrophically. <laughs> well, that's, if you just... It is in German. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I took German, and, and it isn't. So you should have picked another language that I didn't fucking take. Asshole. Spanish. Took that one too, bitch. French. Yeah, no, I, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when the first flame fade... Fuck. I skipped six words. When the first flame began to, f- to fade, she attempted to create a first fucking second... Dude, you are struggling hard. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you want to talk to someone? No. Second, first, third flame. Yeet. Twice removed. Um. Now we. Sure. Just all of you come down. It's fine. We're not in the middle of recording a goddamn podcast. You don't. You you. It's fine. Look, instead of yelling at Bro to shut the fuck up. Yell at wife bro to shut the fuck up. Okay, wife bro, shut the fuck up. We're still recording. (laughs)